morning. It is the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm Ben Ennis, and momentarily we're going to hear from Brent Gunning. I'm excited. I, I shouldn't say excited because that, that makes me sound like a jerk. So I, I, like, I'm, I'm in the first year doing this morning show thing, so I got, I'm, I'm figuring out exactly what the protocols are uh, about certain scenarios. This is one that I, I, I was aware of the possibility of it happening. In fact, there was a 100% possibility it was going to happen. Someone was going to get sick, right? Like the morning of doing the show. And then, and then what do you do? Because it's not like you can go to the bullpen at 5 o'clock in the morning. People, people aren't awake at that time. Uh, so that has happened with you, Brent. You're you're feeling a little under the weather. We're we're, we're only going to keep you on the air for the first hour of today's program. But yeah, how how are you feeling? I'm a gamer, you know. I like to battle. I got a little grit to me. I'm uh, I'm here. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah, love sending a text to my coworkers saying that I have uh, that I I'm under the weather. Mm, yeah, no, don't get into graphic. specifics. Yeah, don't get into specifics. That's fine. Yeah, uh, hugging a little porcelain. There we go. That's as specific as we need to to get this morning. So playing hurt, but playing nonetheless. Uh, here, gonna lean on you. You know, much like the Leafs will have to lean on. And I want to be clear. Like you're much more a Simone. Ben than a William Loggerson, but yeah, I uh, we're we're gonna need to lean on the depth today. Well, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that you feel so so badly, and I don't know if it's just you know the knowledge that you're sick, and that also our normal producer is sick, Jeff Asbarty, Daniele Franceschi stepping in. Um, but like, as soon as you sent the text, I was like, oh, I felt a rumble in my tummy. So I should not be here either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I right, just gotta get through the day, and then I gotta do an hour of JD's show at, at nine o'clock too. So it should be good, good stuff. Uh, we'll see. Right. We'll see who's doing the show tomorrow. But yeah, okay. Okay, uh, I'll just talk as much as possible. Um, speaking- yeah, not me, just so we're clear. Uh, <laughs> who's doing the show tomorrow? Not Brent Gunning. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, speaking of talking, the Toronto Maple Leafs did that in earnest yesterday, holding uh, their first practice since Saturday's game against the Ottawa Senators, in which notably Ridley Gregg uh, did his own version of the hardest shot competition into the uh, empty net. Uh, he, w- he wouldn't have won because he didn't crack 80 miles an hour. I mean, honestly, if you're going to slap it into the open net, you, you, you got to crack 90, don't you? Anyways, uh, he, he doesn't quite get to 80, and uh, the Senators win a game, and I understand it on, on his, uh, from his perspective. We talked about this yesterday, and it's, it sucked that we were all in, in the same camp, uh, you, me, and, and Frank Saravelli, that uh, it's just good all the way around, that we're in the entertainment business, that, that sports are supposed to be fun, and this is a rivalry that used to be one and hasn't been for quite some time. And any any instance you get to add a little juice to to the Battle of Ontario, I'm, I'm all for it. And especially that Ridley Gregg was not seriously injured by Morgan Riley, uh, so much the better. Uh, he has an in-person hearing in which he's actually going to travel to New York City, Morgan Riley is. I assume that's that was yesterday because the Leafs are in action today against the St. Louis Blues. But yeah, most of the most people, especially since the the pandemic, are, are doing these in person hearings over Zoom. Not Morgan Riley actually going to show up in New York City and appeal to the, the higher ups and George Peros and 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 throw himself at the mercy of the court, I suppose. But yeah, the, his teammates and his head coach. Spoke about it yesterday. They they protected Riley from the media, and Ridley Gregg didn't speak in Ottawa either because I guess they don't want to they don't want to impact the the process. Um, they don't want to impact the decision making that's happening at the NHL uh, uh, Department of Player Self, uh, Safety. Um, but okay, let, let's let's start with Ryan Reeves here. 
Brent, mm-hmm. because clearly um, as somebody that was interested in the result of uh, the end of that game and was on the ice for the final faceoff with five seconds left uh, with the game out of reach. Here is Ryan Reeves yesterday uh, when asked the question about how he felt about Morgan Riley's cross-check to the head of Ridley Gregg. I mean, guy takes a clap and right now you're going to go play patty cake with him? Like, no, there's, there's got to be a message sent. And uh, I, I don't think a, a push is a message, to be honest with you. So um, I thought I thought it was appropriate. What do you think of the potential? You know, an in-person hearing could mean six or more games. Do you think that's warranted at all? No, I don't personally. Uh, but I'm not the uh, Department of Player Safety. I, like I said before, I'd, I was expecting a fine a one game max you know I, you know the kid got up after he saw you know nobody was on top of him anymore um, completely fine and I don't uh, you know I think that's got to be taken into account too do you think that you know there's a lot of talk about you know the unwritten rules or hockey but you think something for a guy in the NHL that would be something you would just know not to do you would hope you would hope but um, you know these young kids these days are uh, they're playing a different brand of hockey than I'm used to. Uh, the codes changed a little bit. The games changed a lot. And uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, a young kid like that can get away with something like that. And then you know, one of our best players is going to get suspended for it. So, um, yeah, I'd make hockey violent again and get that tattooed on me. Yeah, I'm surprised he doesn't already have that tattoo. Um, so a couple things here. One is that, thank goodness, Ryan Reeves is back playing hockey games that we can go to him for uh for quotes on on matters of this nature um because you know i mean he was he was talking to to, to luke fox when when he asked him about not getting into into the lineup for a month but yeah he's not he's not going to talk about specific game issues if he's not playing in the games and he's brought in he was brought in to do a couple of specific things one was to be the party director on the road which um, I guess he, he he was capable of doing when he was a healthy scratch. Uh, two was be a physical presence on the ice uh, and scrap, which he's done on occasion. And three was to be kind of a mouthpiece for the media, right? Like to be a good quote. I, that, that is not an insignificant part of, of his appeal when uh, Brad Living signed him to a, a three-year contract. So I, I'm just glad that we can we can get a, a Ryan Reeves quote on on Morgan Riley putting the stick up on Ridley Gregg. Yeah, so much of what Reeves was here to do was suck up oxygen at times when you kind of needed somebody to do it. And I think you see that him doing that yesterday. And I'd just like to add him to the apparently, well, I mean, George Paris is going to be the first guy who didn't do this right. But just everybody doing exactly as expected and doing their job in this Mm -hmm. situation. Like we said it yesterday, Ridley Gregg did what he's supposed to do. Morgan Riley did what he's supposed to do. Maybe a little more than you want, but he did what he's supposed to do. And now Ryan Reeves step into the mic. talking about playing patty cake and this 21 year old kid doesn't know what the league is i i love it this is exactly what you want from this guy and i i just want to pick up as well on the idea riley going there for the in-person hearing like david perron didn't do this the zoom option is available i think it's really interesting how much the leafs seem prepared to fight this tooth and nail like everybody goes to these hearings ready to fight but just all of the noise coming out of it maybe it's because it's the leafs maybe it's their first in-person hearing in a while and that's why it's generating so much noise but it feels like this is going to be 
uh, a real tete-a-tete whenever the hearing happened, if it was yesterday or if it's today or whenever it was. Yeah, so Luke Fox in his latest on Sportsnet.ca has, has this pull quote, behind the, uh, behind the scenes, the Leafs are incensed that Riley's cross-check has risen to in-person scrutiny. Um, that's not surprising. Um, it, it, it's not often, though, that we hear... Even uh, as a report um, that doesn't have a direct quote attached to it from the, this Leafs team as far as the, their feeling about how they've been officiated, uh, how they've been adjudicated, uh, not that you can, I don't know, throw your weight around because you are the biggest franchise in the NHL, but not because, like, like, like but do, you, do we totally discount that possibility that the, the Maple Leafs feel like, hey, well, we we just saw it a week and a half ago that... Because we are the center of the hockey universe, we're able to put on the best all-star showcase that this league has seen in at least a, a couple of decades. Um, why are we also the, the the brunt of the the highest level of scrutiny and maybe and maybe um, over the top? Like may, may, maybe when you look at the history of of suspensions handed down in the NHL over the last couple of years, that maybe. We've actually been on the the more extreme end of, of of supplemental discipline. Why can't that be part of the discussion when Brad's living, or whoever the Maple Leafs are bringing alongside Morgan Riley to New York City yesterday or early today before the game? I mean, I guess it could be today because Morgan Riley's not going to play in the game tonight against the St. Louis Blues. Like, why can't that be part of it? Um, that this team, like, do, do you think George Peros feels a little bit differently about the matter if Brendan Shanahan's sitting next to Morgan Riley today and talking about, hey, how insane it is that, and and maybe he's bringing his own video evidence of, of I mean, you talked about the the Wayne Simmons cross-check to the head during yeah. the bubble uh, against the Montreal Canadiens. Like, what what's to stop Brendan Shanahan from bringing that up and, and showing the NHL Department of Player Safety, specific instances over the last couple of years that have not resulted in supplemental discipline to the degree that which Morgan Riley is going to be given. Yeah, I think it's interesting if the Leafs bring that up privately. And But the name you mentioned there is the kind of the button the Leafs still have to push is that we don't hear from Brendan Shanahan publicly. He can go in there and, you know, who knows if he goes in or not. I, I would quite honestly imagine not. But let's say he was in the hearing. He can go in there and make all the, case that you, all the cases that you just made and the points you just made, and that might gain them a little modicum. Maybe that knocks a game off. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But what I think you honestly want to see, if you're the Leafs and you really feel like you need to have some type of bully pulpit, it's Shanahan speaking publicly. This is a guy who used to do that job. If they're not happy with the result that comes out from this, they do have kind of the ultimate button to push. And it's not just that Shanahan did that job. It's not just that he's the president and governor of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's Brendan Shanahan. He has his own history with this type of stuff in the game. And if anyone understands it, it's him. And that's the thing that I think will be really interesting is if they are as mad as they say, and I I believe they are, why would wouldn't they be? I'm incensed and I'm just watching on the couch. I'm not involved in it the way they are. That's the thing I'm I'm curious to see is if they don't get the result they want out of this hearing is do we hear publicly from Shanahan? Because we hmm. pretty much never do. And that's by design and I don't really have a problem with it. Like I don't think it'd be good for the lease for Shanahan to be holding court three times, four times a year. But if they're really upset about the way this goes, that's the kind of ultimate button they have to push. Yeah. 
Uh, and if we, I don't think it'll happen though. Just mm, want to be clear about we'll, that. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. There is a, a public-facing comment from the Toronto Maple Leafs um, non-player uh, part of this equation, and it's Sheldon Keith talking about specifically what we've been talking about uh, yesterday and, and now today about the uh, extra scrutiny that Maple Leaf games get, and maybe its impact on the decision-making process here. We spend a lot of time watching pretty much every cross-check that's that's happened in the last number of years, and. Um, the ones that I thought were similar in nature to, to Morgan were nothing close to requiring that. But at the same time, you know, it's, I think there's a history also of events that happen in Toronto and with the Leafs that get more attention and more hype that tend to, tend to lead to something, uh, something such as this. So um, to that end, not surprised, but, you know, we'll, uh, it's out of our hands and, and we'll be ready to play tomorrow. Okay, so a little tepid uh, in regards to leaning into what we talked about here, but clearly the 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 assertion here is the same assertion we made that hey, Leaf games get scrutinized more. It's Hockey Night in Canada. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's the Battle of Ontario. All eyeballs are on it. All conversation around these parts are on Morgan Riley and the suspension that's going to be handed down to him. And and you know we've gone over the the previous suspensions, and you can look at comparables and Perron and yada 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 yada. But the the fact remains that, you know, if this was the wild and I don't know, the 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 blues on a on a on a Tuesday night, we'd be having probably a different discussion than the one that will continue for the rest of the week, especially now that the Super Bowl's over. Now that like, yeah, it's yeah. it's full on like Leafland time. Um so the the Leafs have they they've had a uh, uh, like an us against them mentality on occasion when it gets to the postseason, but usually it's like us against the media. Us kind of like yeah. against the fans. because you know, against literally us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we put shambles in their brains, right? Like, that's 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 us. Like, they, they've, they've done the, the us against the media thing. You guys are putting this on us. The, the, the uh, lack of success we've had in the postseason, our uh, moral failings when it comes to April and May, uh, that's you guys. That's not actually real. And, and, and you know what? We're going to prove you wrong. I honestly, if I'm being if I'm being totally truthful, if I was Sheldon Keefe, if I was Brendan Shanahan, I guess you got to wait for this to play out because I, I guess it's possible that there's a real pullback from George Peros after seeing some of the discussion in the city and seeing the the pressure applied by the Maple Leafs that he says, oh, you know what, not six games, actually one. Never mind. What are you doing here? Uh, it was our mistake to to call this in person hearing one game. I think that would satiate the masses. Even Ryan Reeves is like, yeah, maybe a game. Uh, even Ryan Reeves would be like, okay, I understand one game. But barring that, and what I think is the likely scenario, that he gets six games, I would love to see Sheldon Keefe up the ante when it comes to his rhetoric. I would love to hear Brendan Shanahan speak and 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 do the us against the league thing and really lean into this that, hey, see so I, I understand how that could go wrong as well, right? Like, you don't want to have the players feeling like the, the it's taken entirely out of their hands, right? Mm-hmm. But I'd be leaning into the idea that, hey, guys, you know what? No one's going to help you out there. This league wants to to punish you. This league wants to use you in as, as an example. This league has been unfair to you over the years. I, I think there's a real opportunity here to be an us-against-the-league uh, story as far as a motivating factor for this league team this season. I would love nothing more than for it to play out that way. I just think the more I've thought about this, 
I think that what's going to end up happening here is they probably land on like a four-game suspension where everybody feels like, okay, they gave the Leafs a little back. It shouldn't have been in person. But just as much as you, as Sheldon Keefe makes the point of saying, hey, everybody, you know, the maybe our games are officiated a little differently. Maybe we get calls to player safety a little differently. Do you think of all teams this is the one where they want to be seen to be tucking their tail and turning the idea of the player Department of Player Safety? So, yeah, I could see a world where that happens, but I also think it's just going to be kind of, you know, dancing in the middle ground where you end up with like a four game suspension and everyone goes, okay, I, cause even me, I, I want to sit here and be as mad about the suspension as possible. But if you want to tell me that that play in the NHL is a five game suspension, I actually don't have a problem mm-hmm. with it. It's just, we got to go back and retro ha- actively hand out a lot more suspensions than what we've done. That's where the issue lies in all this. I even think all the people who love what Riley did or don't have a problem with it or whatever, even they'd say, all right, you want to suspend him. That's fine. Like, Mm. I think, I think most people have no problem with that being a suspendable play in the league, but it's just the lack of consistency of when it's applied. So I'd love them to turn into the, nobody believes in us team. And to your point, not, you all don't believe in us, but the league doesn't believe in us, yeah. and the league wants to do us this way. But I, I just, I feel like they're going to perfectly thread the needle here with like a four gamer. Well, when I'm, I'm thinking about supplemental discipline, I'm always thinking about, hey, what is the decision that could be made that upsets the fewest number of people? That, the, the most people say, yeah, okay, and on, and maybe I'm too close to it, and and maybe being in this market uh, is impacting my thinking on this thing. But I can't help but think, like, one game? I, I, are people really outraged if Morgan Riley only gets one game? A guy who's gotten uh, if, Lady if they Bing call votes. Him, if they call a Leaf, forget, like, just forget the play for mm-hmm. half a second here. If they call a Leaf in to the Department of Player Safety, and we've seen, you don't think everybody's going to go pull those comments from Luke Fox's article and mm-hmm. how incensed the Leafs are? And then, oh, look at that, the Leafs, the league's darling baby, which I want to be clear is garbage, but you know that sentiment will be out there. That's why I don't think there's any world where it gets knocked down that much. I think they knock it down to four, because to your point, the idea of what upsets the least amount of people. I think even everybody here in Leafland will go, okay, I don't like it, and that's yeah. not fair given the other penalties handed out. But I can't sit here and say there's no way Morgan Riley deserves a four-game suspension for cross-checking a guy in the head with four seconds left in the game after an empty netter. Like, if you just say it that way, I mm. can't sit here and be mad about that. Sure. I can be mad about all the other things and the chase on and the Simmons and everything else going around, but that's why I think it's going to end up with four. That's well, what I think offends the least amount of people. What a world that the, the Maple Leafs are supposed to have this incredible advantage having the deep pockets that they have and they can't apply it because there's been uh, a salary cap instituted for the last two decades. And then secondarily, unlike the Yankees, who actually do have, like, come on, you go into Yankee Stadium, you're telling me that the Yankees don't get more calls. They don't get those edge uh, calls. They strike. put the juice balls in for Judge. <laughs> right. <laughs> that... Imagine there were springy pucks just for yeah. Austin Matthews to get to 70. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think that's the case. But, yeah, no, it's it's really uh, – it's not working to the Leafs' advantage. The way it ha- – it does to, to for other teams in other sports, maybe – Oh, boy. I don't know if you saw the Knicks game last night. Maybe not the Knicks, yeah, uh, but it's supposed to be like MSG and like the Lakers. And and we certainly see star calls in the NBA. And like I said, the, the Yankees have a real home field advantage in Major League Baseball, but it's it's the opposite. You get punished for, for being a, a member of the Big Bad Leafs. Um, yeah. 
I, I do. I, I have long felt that way, and I think it's. I, I I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's the it's the dad umping his kids' little league theory. They don't try to make it unfair, but when all else fails, just go against the Leafs because mm. you can't be accused of bias uh, other than by me and Sheldon Keefe and Brandon Shanahan <laughs> and Ryan Reeves. But other than us, uh, I again uh, last word on on this for me. I think it's going to be a six gamer handed down today. I think the Leafs are going to appeal. Uh, Dave Braun also appealed his six gamer. It was upheld. He's going to the like. I guess there's some other process that he's going to go through after the season to try and get his money back. Um, I, I think the Leafs appeal, and I think they lose as well. I think Morgan Riley's getting six games, and they're going to look at the David Perron instance as uh, an apples to apples comparable. Despite the fact I I disagree with this. Um, 40, 40 grand a game for Riley. So like I don't know what Perron's salary is. Obviously mm-hmm. less than Moe's. But yeah, I'd be I'd be fighting for that too. And my last word on this is yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be four as a way to try to thread the needle of offending the least amount of people. No, you're right. That that probably does offend the the, the fewest number of people. Um, although again, it's hard when we're in the silo of Toronto. I, I'm sure there's uh, you know the Ian Mendezes of the world that'll be up in arms uh, at that. Uh, that suspension. Uh, Joe Wall, also a full participant in practice yesterday for the first time since he suffered that high ankle sprain. He uh, was not skating as one of the two goalies yesterday in practice, but it was a full participant in practice. So he's not going to play tonight, but like this week, him returning to action doesn't feel out of the equation. It also feels like Brent, man, we've had moments certainly before the All-Star break where Ilya Samsonov looks at his best against the Winnipeg Jets. We're like, ooh, if Joe Wall was healthy, like, would he be the number one goalie? Since then, he's stubbed his toe a couple of times uh, against the the Islanders and the Stars. And Martin Jones certainly looks very pumpkinish um, and mm-hmm. did on Saturday against the Ottawa Senators. If he were healthy and ready to go today, it does feel like the runway is there for Joe Wall to to reassert himself as this as this team starter. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, also, are we are we positive that the two things aren't kind of connected there? Like. Ilya Samsonov in his entire Leafs tenure has been at his absolute best when he is not pushed, when he is not pressured. You don't think he's been sitting there watching Joe Wall get get ready and limbering up and going, okay, he's not a he's not a full part. To, oh, he's starting to trend back towards getting healthy now. Part of it might be, and I think it mostly is that Ilya Samsonov is just not not very good right right now, or maybe at all. But I think that. It's not lost on me that Samsonov came back and when it was kind of his net because Jones had faltered and Wall was away that he was he was fine and he kind of got his feet under him and you know the last couple outings haven't been great as Wall's been getting closer and closer to health like I honestly wonder how connected the two, the two things are there. Yeah, that would be awful honestly if if we're we're connecting the dots here and and well we're talking about a player. Am that, I crazy too though? No, you're not because this is a player <laughs> that I think pretty clearly was impacted by. The the arbitration hearing that and the arbitration process that he went through before the season um, with his start this year and then, you know, regrouped with a, a week off with the quote-unquote Marlies and, and, and found himself again. Like, yeah, the idea that, well, one, the organization has shown you specifically and uh, directly that they believe Joe Wall is the future of that position in goal and that it would take a, a pretty shocking uh, turn of events for them to turn to you and offer you a multi-year contract at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I don't discount the, the possibility at all that the, the fact that, yeah, Joe Wall 
is looming over his shoulder uh, is impacting the play of Ilya Samsonov. I'd like it to be the opposite. I'd like him to be motivated to 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 improve his game that way. But like, yeah, with the little we know about the player in the year and and a bit, we've seen him in a Leaf uniform. Yeah, I I, I think it's impossible not to have that take. They should try to like clone the Leafs team and just have that group practice with a shooter tutor on the other net just so he knows that there's absolutely no competition to be had for him and it's just his net. Like it is remarkable how much he is pretty clearly affected by competition and like I I guess, you know, everyone's different and everybody, you know, thrives under different circumstances. But man, for a for a professional athlete, it is it is pretty jarring to see how much kind of any competition in the crease has been what's been his undoing. And, hey, it's possible he was going to turn back into a pumpkin. We've seen the year, the way this year has gone. But, yeah, it's just, it's it's so stark for me. I, I don't know how you can look at it elsewhere. The, the good thing I'll say about that is that, you know, health aside, which is obviously the biggest question mark, I got faith in, in Joe Wall. Like, I don't have faith mm. in him to be Jake Ottinger or anything along those lines. But can he give you enough stops to give this team a chance? I've I've seen him do it. In, in the past, so I want to see what he looks like after this layoff, but I'm, you know, relatively optimistic about, about Joe Wall if he, and it looks like he'll have to be, be the guy for this team. Yep, um, and uh, whether it's one game or four games or six games, he's, he's going to be behind a depleted blue line with no Morgan Riley, who's this team's leader in, in ice time, clearly somebody they've relied on uh, to, to a, a pretty obscene degree this season and thank goodness for the likes of Simon Benoit stepping into a blue line spot um, because Jake uh, or uh, John Klingberg um, yeah hardly knew you uh, th- this blue line has obviously been a work in progress all season long so now you're going to be without Morgan Riley for yeah again maybe a half dozen games he missed 15 games last year Brent and we keep going over that month stretch of time as being the best stretch of hockey the Leafs have played in recent memory they uh, they they won what 12 of those 15 games it was ridiculous how well they played they 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 really shored up that uh that blue line and for a long part of that uh stretch as well they were without tj brody i was looking at the ice times for the defenseman after the riley injury you know okay here's game one after riley went down a season ago it was a 2-1 win over the new jersey devils and they were all like 2-1 3-2 wins uh, they, they just were unbelievable keeping the puck out of their own net. And part of that was they got great goaltending all season long. The leader in ice time in that first game without Morgan Riley was Justin Hall with 25-03. Number two in that game was Mark Giordano, who played almost 25 minutes in, in that game. He played 24-43. After that, it was Rasmus Sandin, 22-23. Timothy Lilligren played 1904. Mac Hollowell. Remember him? Uh, 1226, oh, yeah. uh, Jordy Van, uh, 936 in that hockey game. So Jake McCabe is going to take over on the number one power play unit for Morgan Riley. Do you want to hazard a guess? I, I know you're you're playing hurt this morning, and mm-hmm. I, I probably shouldn't do this, but you want to. No, that's fine. You want to hazard a guess as to how many power play points Jake McCabe has in his 548 career NHL games? I'm going to say three. He has seven. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't think you'd go under, but yeah, he has seven career power play uh, points. Obviously, Mark Giordano has more than a few, but this is a diminished version of the of uh, of, of him. Clearly, um, he's averaging almost two minutes fewer per game this season than he did a season ago, and we saw how that wear and tear throughout the course of last regular season impacted him in the postseason. Who's the guy that that? 
has the most pressure and most attention on him uh, over these whatever, four, five, six games that Morgan Riley is going to be out? Uh, unfortunately, and I think it's it's a bad spot to put this player in because I think he's really found his footing and really found the role for himself on this blue line, but it's Jake McCabe. Like, all of a sudden, is he the best defenseman on this team? I wish it was TJ Brody. I'd love to tell you it is, but I've also watched him play for the better part of the last six, eight, 12 months, however you want to look at it. Like, he's taken a step back. Jake McCabe really seemed to kind of be finding a role as that physical presence that that played a lot, but you weren't overtaxing him, that's over. Him and Benoit are going to have to be leaned on in a big, big way, and I just really hope it doesn't overexpose either of them. I mean, obviously you have more expectations for McCabe than you do a guy like Benoit, but those are the two that are going to be leaned on, and you know, I know it's unfair for you to ask me one guy and me to pick half the decor, but mm. Lilligren's the guy who's going to have to step up yeah, the that's most. The guy. Like, that's the guy who needs to take the biggest leap. We've said that a million times. It's the exact same conversations we had with Rasmus Sandin. Now, I think people like Lilligren a little more than they like Sandine. Uh, I think most of that is the avoidance of the big bad brain cramp that that Sandine really seemed to be bit by. But you need you don't need Benoit McCabe to be any better. You just need them to be as good as they've been in a way tougher role, which is a big big ask. But Lilligren's the guy who's going to have to find uh, another level here if this team wants to step up. And it's not just on them. That team played great defensively because the team played great yeah. defensively. Now, it's a different group this year, and that's a whole different conversation. But that part of it can't be overstated as well as how good the forwards were last year during that stretch. Yeah, and David Camp is, is going to return for tonight's game against the Blues as well. So maybe that, that adds the, the the whole team defense part of it. L- Lilligren's going to be interesting. Like, I'm old enough to remember when TJ Brody used to be the fixer, right? Like, if you, if you, were, oh, having, yeah. if you were having a, a rough go of it, you spent a little time with TJ Brody, and all of a sudden you, you look a whole lot better during the regular season at least because him and and Jake McCabe in the postseason didn't work at at all Um, but yeah him skating now on his natural side Brody on the left side with with Timothy Lilligren as I guess the quote-unquote top pairing yeah at at some point you you, (laughs) you'd like to see this guy take a step forward and and look like a a legit top four uh, defenseman in the National Hockey League it's it's not the same TJ Brody but like as as recently as last season you would have said oh what an opportunity for Timothy Lilligren to, to to skate next to the guy that who whoever is skating next to TJ Brody seems to take a, a giant step forward. And it's maybe yeah, it's 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 Morgan Riley impacting how great that that pairing look but uh, looks. But yeah, don't discount how impactful TJ Brody has been in 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 turning that into uh, such an effective regular season pairing. Uh, so yeah, for me, it's 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 Timothy Lilligren. But yeah, how can you argue with Jake McCabe getting an opportunity? I mean, and just by sheer matter of mathematics, getting the the uh, opportunity on the first power play unit, he's going to get a whole lot of ice time. Uh, or maybe not, because it is the Leafs, and and yeah, they, they don't get power play opportunities coming off a game. Their second of the season, in which they had zero power play opportunities against the Ottawa Senators, uh, Leafs and Blues. Maybe maybe. Tonight. Maybe the league gets a note to the ref. So, like, I got to hear it from these guys all day today. Can you just give them a couple of whistles tonight, please? Please, please, just throw them a bone. I can't hear from Sheldon after this one. Yeah, uh, that'd be nice. Uh, I'm not uh, holding my breath, though. Uh, Due to overwhelming demand, Creed has added another Toronto show as part of their Are You Ready Tour. They will be playing with Finger 11 and Mammoth WVH at Scotiabank Arena on November 27th. 
And we have tickets to give away to enter texting today's code word on my sleeve to 590-590. Again, that's on my sleeve to 590-590. If you don't win with us, tickets officially on sale at Ticketmaster.ca. All right, when we come back, the Raptors might be handing their first-round pick to the San Antonio Spurs, who they lost to yesterday in blowout fashion. And Victor Webanyama had 10 blocks, and Scotty Barnes left the game with uh, under a minute to go. So yeah, that's fun. Lots to talk about, actually, uh, in, a, in a seemingly meaningless Raptors game against one of the worst teams in the NBA. That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, and Brent Gunning, who's playing hurt and who's going to go to bed in about 20 minutes' time. Try not to think about that, Brent. Um, so the worst... No, th- actually, no, no, no. You try not to think about that. Let's be <laughs> honest. Like, who loves sleep more between me and you? So uh, you try not to think about oh, yeah. me being Homer Simpson tucked into my covers, all snuggly in my bed, yeah. as you talk to our pal, Gord yeah. Stelic. yeah. No, that, I mean, that that is, it's making it easier that I get to talk to Gord, but yeah. No, every every morning when the alarm goes off just after 4 o'clock, I, uh, I fantasize about my return to bed, uh, which will be later today, because I, I got go to uh, go on JD's show for an hour. Uh, anyways, the worst thing in the world, I was going to say uh, something sports, but the worst thing in the world is, is being tired and not being able to go to sleep. But the second worst thing in the world is, is being a team that doesn't control your first-round pick um, and being worse than the team that does control your first round pick. So the 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 Lee or the the Raptors are are statistically better than the Spurs. We all understand that, right? The Spurs is the third worst record in the NBA, but on like who sees the path to being relevant more? The Raptors or the team with the seven foot four guy who just had uh, a ten block triple double? Like it's it's not even comparable. I, honestly, it it harkens back uh, to me. Uh, and this is a nice little Leaf parallel for you, Brent, mm. to uh, the Leafs and the Boston Bruins and the Phil Kessel trade, right? And and yep. and and nine ten and and yeah, Brian Burke said he understood the possibility of of not controlling that first round pick. And this is before the era of oh, NHL teams can do what NBA teams do and like protect those picks. Mm. But anyways, it turned into Tyler Sagan and and uh, the the Leafs were the second worst team in the entire NHL, worst team in the Eastern Conference. That's where we're at with the with this Raptors team and and the Spurs team. And of course, like, yeah, if it, if it falls within the, the bottom six or the top six in the draft for the Raptors, they hold on to their pick. But uh, as it currently stands, they're seventh from the bottom in the NBA. And if the if the Spurs were going to draw it up, that's exactly where they'd want them. They, that's the it's it's actually working out as as poorly as it possibly could for the Raptors. Yeah, it's kind of picture perfect for the Spurs. I suppose maybe if they got like really, really cute, they would want the seventh pick in next year's draft, which isn't mm-hmm. as terrible, but that feels like threading the needle just a little too much. Yeah, this is kind of working out as 
that is possible, quite honestly. And, you know, I, I don't I don't mean to move on from what you're trying to talk about here, but you throw in everything that happened with Barnes last night. Mm. And, man, it is just uh, – it is far, far from Rosie in Raptors land right now. All right, let's do that first then. We'll come back around to, to Wemby. So, uh, Scotty Barnes – uh, was embarrassed by Victor Webanyama, as, as many uh, an NBA player have been this season. Not to the degree of which, you know. Take a number. Yeah. A, a career high in blocks. But, like, there was a moment in that game in the second half where Scotty Barnes being blocked twice within a second of 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 each other, and, and Wemby's, like, laughing. Like, he's laughing <laughs> at a guy who's going to be playing in the All-Star game this weekend. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Scotty Barnes, I believe, was scoreless in the first half. Uh, finishes with seven points, a three of 15 shooting, uh, 30 minutes, one of three from from three, had nine assists. Um, but, yeah, the, the five turnovers as well. And at the conclusion of this game, it ends up being a 23-point loss. It was as high as, as over 30 points in this basketball game with under a minute to go and the game out of hand. But, yeah, the, the game's still physically happening Scotty Barnes departs the bench and then is caught on camera going down the tunnel by himself, like chewing gum too, it looked like, which honestly, like, yeah, it kind of made it worse for me because there's nothing that seems more casual than somebody chewing gum. But anyways, he left the bench. He's being played to, to, to be a member of a basketball team one, they're playing basketball games and he was not available to play in that basketball game despite the fact he wasn't going to get back into it and the, despite the fact it was over, blah, 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 blah. There's precedent for this happening. Uh, uh, Pascal Siakam during the bubble season left the bench after he fouled out of the game and picked up his sixth foul with under a minute to go and was given an internal suspension of a single game. We'll see what, what happens uh, as fallout of, of this incident from uh, Scotty Barnes. But here's Darko Ryakovich when asked a direct question about Scotty Barnes leaving the bench yesterday. Uh, it is uh, definitely a learning opportunity for, for uh, all the players on the team, uh, from young guys to, to all the vets. And uh, this, is, this is not the performance that we want to have, this, that uh, competitive spirit that we want to have. So everybody's got to look in the mirror and figure out uh, uh, what we need to do. We need to be in our shoes. We cannot be anywhere else. And uh, tomorrow is a practice. We have a game against Indiana, and they got to take care of business. We cannot be anywhere else but being our shoes and taking care of business today. Okay, got to be in their shoes. Um, so this isn't uh, necessarily new with Scotty Barnes either. Okay, I mean, maybe leaving the bench before the game is over is new for him, but let's go back to a season ago in which he didn't have a horrible season, but coming off a rookie of the year campaign, certainly you thought there would be a little more progression than we saw last year, and you wondered about his ultimate ceiling. He's changed that perception, certainly, with the incredible year that he's had this year, first-time All-Star. It's all well and good as far as what you can project Scotty Barnes to be, how much that impacts winning is still to be decided. But let's let's recall how exactly that season played out a year ago, the, the disappointing, like, plateauing version of Scotty Barnes. There's a moment in the first month of the season where Masai Ujiri, according to all reports, traveled to New York City to meet the team uh, during a road trip and have a direct conversation with Scotty Barnes along the lines of, what the hell are we doing here? Like, what, what, who do you think you are at, at, at this moment in your career? And why do you feel like you've, you've been anointed the next one and that, you, you know, you, there's, there's, no, there's no, I don't know if it's an effort thing, but there was certainly a pointed conversation between the president of the Toronto Raptors and its future budding young star. Um, since then, 
you know, he bounced back in the second half of, of the season to a degree. And like I said, the first half of this season, under very bizarre circumstances, he has looked like everything the Raptors would have hoped he would look like. But then you get an incident like yesterday, and it does make you wonder how much a part of the Scotty Barnes experience is, I don't know if you want to call it temperamental, mm, maybe... Well, I, I would just say for a guy whose game is built so much around passing and 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 being not necessarily the guy that 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 takes thirty field goal attempts uh, is more of a distributor. Like, and it is now this team's backup point guard. There's an element of maybe not the best teammate that it, 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 if it's not on the the very surface of the Scotty Barnes experience, it, it it is part of the mix. I, I look at it as more, or sorry, less of an issue of teammate and more of an issue as that's got to be your leader. They have anointed him. You have his coach telling him he's not going to be the face of the team. He's going to be the face of the league. And guess what? You have to anoint Scotty Barnes because the only way this thing is ever going to get to where you want it to go is with him at the tip of the spear being not just the best player on your team, but one of the best players in the league. But, man, this is concerning. Like, this is what we talk about with needing good vets in the room and somebody you can lean on. And it can't always be a guy at the very end of the bench. Like, do you think that this is happening and if and to your point it happened with Pascal Siakam when this guy was here but you know if Fred Van Vliet is still on this team do we think stuff like this is happening or even if it does do we think it's handled in a certain kind of way and I don't think this means we need to pour dirt on what Barnes can be or anything along those lines or say that he's a a bad guy or anything like that but man this has to be a wake-up call this has to be a learning experience like this is the guy that you are going to build everything around and in this sport uh, you know I guess I guess you could say the only thing that compares is to a best player in basketball is a quarterback in football in terms of how they just become the de facto leader, regardless of what else exists on the team. And you don't want that. That is just not a good look. Like, I don't want to make too, too much out of it, but that is really, really discouraging in terms of where this team can go, especially if he's going to be the leader. And he's the he's he can do it as a player. I don't have my doubts about that. But, man, that was that was disconcerting last night. Yeah, I also don't want to make too little of it, too. Because, again, this is yeah. a, a recurring theme with the player. This is a guy that, yeah, came out of the gates super strong, and then there was a sense, and, he, you know, Age is a part of that, um, but there was a sense that, okay, didn't maybe dedicate himself to his craft the way you would have hoped a player uh, would at his stage of the development uh, after his rookie season. But then, again, like I said, to start the season, looked like a different dude, so that wasn't there. But, yeah, he is the face of this this team, and, and and yeah, I'm I'm sorry. Like you're a very young player, and you're early, in your early twenties. Um, and and it's not the easiest thing in the world to just be handed the reins, especially for a team that stanks the way the Raptors do. But that's part of the deal. Um, and, and and it's not like he's. I mean, Victor Wembanyama is literally playing next to twenty year olds. Like everybody's twenty. Yeah. Like he looks around, and is like, oh, everybody's. We're all children. And okay, R.J. Barrett's only twenty three, but he's been in the league. Oh, near half decade, and Manuel quickly like he's been in this. He was, you know, gotten six man of the year award votes in in years previous, and and Kelly Olynyk just arrived here. But there's a veteran. It's not like there's no veterans, and and Dennis Schroeder was on this team before the deadline, and you know Fred Van Vliet and, and Pascal Siakam were on that team a season ago, and th- those things were still happening for Scotty Barnes. I would just say, 
Yeah, you don't have to see. There is a middle ground here. You, you don't have to go. Oh well, obviously, there's there. Scotty Barnes cannot be the leader on on a, on a good team that that he needs to be insulated. I don't. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say that it's at least on my radar that there's maybe something in the Scotty Barnes makeup that makes you question whether he can be the guy that everybody defers to from an emotional team building level. Yeah, this is. We say this about all young players who come from great programs or they come out of high school or whatever it is, that he has done more losing in the last two years, three years, than he did in his entire life. And it's amazing the toll it can take on people. And this is kind of the game you play, the risk you take when you completely bottom out or you want to have a full-on youth movement. You know, you mentioned Wembenyama there. He's special because he's seven foot five and he's Gumby and he can handle the ball like anybody else. But he's also special because of his temperament. He's an adult. He's more of an adult than I am. I know you're old and 40 now, Mm -hmm. so maybe you're as much of an adult as he is, but that's what makes him special too. And there is a certain it factor that the best players have that allows them to do it on the court, but there's also a personality trait that they have. Like, you know, I kind of roll my eyes at some of this stuff, but there's a reason every NBA player rushes to the mic to talk about their Mamba mentality mm-hmm. and you know I, I you know Kobe wasn't always the most perfect teammate so I'm not going to say he would have never done that but not the best version of himself he wouldn't have done that and I just I, I look at that and these are the things that are concerning you really want to nip this in the bud because I don't think this is proof positive that the die is cast on Scotty Barnes or this is who he is but this could be who he's becoming and you certainly don't you not you don't want that to happen you can't have that happen with the way things are being built here yeah, and Darko Ryakovich has certainly changed the offense, right? Like, just look at the, the, the number of passes per game that this Raptors team has as opposed to a year ago and their assist rate and yada, yada, yada. It's, it's, there have been some, some real things that he was asked to do that he has actually he, – he's done. Um, and, and, you know, if you want to talk about the development side of things, like Grady Dick looks like a, a real NBA player now, which is yep. something we, we wouldn't have said a month and a half ago. But I will say, like, the number one job you should have as a developmental coach with a team that's in this stage of its development, which is you know, bottoming out right now but on the come-up, is, like, effort. And, and I know they're, they're pro athletes, and they're, they're supposed to have the effort level on a daily basis. That's what the money's for. But we also know they're humans, and that can't be the case. Um, I, I, I got to say, that this isn't the first time – and this is – like going back to the before times when the the job of this team was actually to win basketball games when they had OG Ananobi and and Pascal Siakam, it's on my radar early on this season as well that there's been so many games this year where there's been a lack of intent, a lack of intensity, lack of quote unquote effort, whatever you want to call it, uh, that if Darko Ryakovich, if we believe an NBA head coach is responsible for it, yeah, it's, it hasn't been there for this team. No, it just it just hasn't, and that's the stuff that you don't want to to fester. And again, I think that for a team that came in with vibes being such a part of it, it's such a fine line to walk. Like, yeah, you want people feeling good about himself, but they got to earn that right at the, at the same time, right? Like, you don't want just you know to borrow a phrase from Revo, you don't want to just be playing patty cake all the time. Like, mm. you you want people to earn the 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 good feelings that they should have, and you know, quite honestly, like that just hasn't been happened with the Raptors. The, team for most of this year uh, um last thing on this is um if you go to a raptor game you want to see the raptors win i suppose yeah, but yeah, like yeah, it yeah. it doesn't matter right now clearly 
It doesn't matter the players either. Uh, if you went to that game yesterday, <laughs> I think you were ecstatic that you, you, you ponied up the dough to see Wemby and, and the 10 blocks. And it's, yeah, I mean, this is, he, he factually did have, what, an eight-block game earlier this season. He's, he's good for at least five a game, it seems like. Um, and offensively, super efficient, hit a couple of threes. Um, yeah, I, like it's, it's, we know it's a league of freaks, right? Like they, everybody's yeah. seven feet tall and hey, Jakob Pertl, he's seven feet tall. And, and look at Kevin Durant is seven feet tall and, and a sharpshooter, uh, uh, from beyond the arc. And that's all well and good. But like in the league of freaks, he's the freakiest of them all. And literally, I, I don't know how you score on him in the block. I, and I also I also was having a thought about him and Joel Embiid playing in an alternate reality for Team France. Oh, and, and Colbert. Yeah. <laughs> and how anyone would would ever score on that team. I was just... Like, we see some incredible things in that sport. Again, with like people that won the genetic lottery. Yep. But it's quite a thing to stand out amongst those people. And that guy clearly does. Can I go can I go one further? Yeah. It's that with especially with Shohei Otani no longer being a picture, a pitcher, he has the belt for athlete if he comes into your town, mm-hmm. that if you're a sports fan, it's like I just need to see this. I need to see this live. It was Otani mm-hmm. and maybe if he pitches again and he becomes that pitcher again, he gets to that stratosphere, but like I'm sorry Connor Bedard, I'm sorry Connor McDavid, man. I'm sorry Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. That's the guy right now. If you told me and you know, like we can quibble, people like different sports, you think you get a better view at different places, but if you told me I could have any ticket in the world to watch one guy compete and get to see it with my own eyes right now. I, I honestly think it's Wemby, and I honestly don't think it's even close. Yes, yeah, stupid. I, I man, I'm f- crossing my fingers he can stay healthy, and and the Spurs have Please. done a good job of uh, limiting his minutes this year, and and hopefully acclimatizing him to the the world of of NBA basketball. But it is freakish, and it's awesome to watch. Um, and yeah, a reason why you feel happy about going to that Raptors game, despite the fact they were pounded into sand. All right, Brent. Your your bed is is awaiting for you. You did right. a, a great job powering through it. Um, you did a great job shepherding me through. It. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll probably not see you tomorrow. So I'll see you when I see you, man. Yeah, I'll see you in a couple of days. I think it's safe to say, and I'll be uh, probably blood curdling mad about a Morgan Riley co- uh, suspension. You've all been talking about. That's right. probably what's going to happen. See you, buddy. All right, take care. Bye. All right, there's uh, Brent Gunning going back to bed. When we come back. Unfortunately for him, he's going to miss his conversation with his good pal, Gord Stellick, co-author of Revival, the chaotic, colorful journey of the 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs. Gordo coming up next as the Fan Morning Show continues. I'm Ben Ennis, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.